Praise the Lord, saints, and welcome to the Powerhouse Radio Network. I'm Brother Wade, the Outspoken One, and I want to thank you for joining us here today. You can contact me here at the Powerhouse Radio Network by stopping us right here at Apostolic Talking at PowerhouseRadioNetwork.com. That's Apostolic Talking at PowerhouseRadioNetwork.com. If you have a prayer request, go ahead and shoot it over to us at Pray at PowerhouseRadioNetwork.com. So for the thousands upon thousands listening, for the millions around the world, our Skype is up and running. The chatterings are chatting. Brothers and sisters, let's get ready to PowerCast! Today, if you will, if you'll open your Bibles to James chapter 1, verses 5 and 8. James chapter 1, verses 5 and 8. And then we're going to flip over to James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. Now, if you know anything about the book of James, then you're actually going to know James was a great prayer warrior. And one of the things that he did in the first of the, first of the chapter, he wrote, penned or wrote a prayer. In the middle, he did the same thing. And then towards the end, he also said that final prayer. So James was a well-known prayer warrior, but as you got to James, look at ch- chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, and the word says, If any of you like, lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and unbrideth not, and it shall be given. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave to the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So what this is basically saying here is that when you pray something, then you need to believe that God is going to do it. If we're praying correctly and we're right with God, then when we say a prayer, God will answer. So let's look over at James chapter 5 verses 13 through 16. And the word says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So today we're going to be studying and we're going to look into the book of James. And one of the things that I want you to know before we get started here is that James had a nickname that I found extremely humorous. And one of the things was, this is not in the Bible, this is through the history books, but one of the things that I seen was that James actually had the nickname Old Camel Knees. Now, if you've ever noticed a camel, his knees is because they, when they get down on all fours or they're on their knees and they go down to the ground, they got rough knees. Well, this is the same way James' knees was, and they called him Old Camel Knees because he spent so much time on his knees, his knees look rough. That's just a little tidbit there. So today we're going to talk about four situations to where God will answer our prayers. And the first one we've seen in John chapter, starting in John chapter 5 verses 13, we see that was afflicted. The second one was Mary. The third one was sick or ill, whichever way you want to put it. And the fourth one, of course, was confess your faults. 
So we're going to start out with afflicted. Now I want to tell you a little story. Imagine that if you were, you were in a boat. And as you come up to the bank, you have to go to the front of the boat and you throw that rope out to the bank. Now let me ask you a question. When you start pulling, is everybody following me so far? When you start pulling, are you pulling the boat to the bank or are you pulling the bank to the boat? Prayer is the same way. Prayer is aligning ourselves up to God's will. It ain't getting God to get his will to where we want it to be, but prayer is aligning ourselves up to God's will. If we know God's will for our lives and we know God's will in everything that we're praying about, then we will learn to pray effectively. And when we learn to pray effectively, that will bring the victory in our life. Our prayer life is actually a reflection of our relationship with God. So we need to make sure that we have a great prayer life. I'm not talking about just a good one, but a great one. Now, I'm going to make a challenge statement here to you guys, and I want everybody to listen, and I want you to hear me out before you start griping and complaining to the pastor. But one of the things is, is that the Word of God, it, it, it does not encourage you to pray long, lengthy prayers while you're in public. Now, we've all seen people do it, and, and you know, you get up here and you say, God, I ask that right now, Lord, that you bless this food, Lord. I thank you for this steak, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for the grass that the cow eat, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for the farmer who kept the grass clean, who who the cow eat, Lord, who the everybody else, and you just keep going on and on and on. They, I, they, they seem like that all they do is just pray out loud to be heard. That's not the way we're supposed to pray. The New Testament actually alludes that when we're in public, that we keep our prayers short. But when we're in private, that's when we get to that extended time that we spend with God and we, we have those times of those conversations with God. But John, he's emphasizing something here that he says that we need to learn to have an effective prayer life. And that we need to pray so because when we pray effectively, then we know that we are in God's will. Now, if we follow that logic, then we can see that our prayer life is a reflection of our relationship with God. Now, I want to show you something. There's a necessity of prayer. And also, I'm going to, we're going to talk about the encouragement that God gives us that when he answers those prayers... But one of the things we got to see is that sometimes life is very easy. I mean, everything is going great. The bills are paid. The wife or husband is happy. The kids are being haved. Everything's great. But then all of a sudden something happens and then we, it gets hard on us. Somebody, somebody may get sick or worse or, you know, the bills come due, the bill collector's knocking on your door and won't leave you alone on calling on the phone or whatever. So we, life is easy for some sometimes and life is hard at other times and then sometimes people have hard lives and other people have easy lives. But it doesn't, you know, when we're on the mountaintop, we're praising God and we're loving life. But when we're down there in the valley and we're asking God, where are you? So we, it's like life in low, uh, uh, low spots in our lives. But what we got to understand is, is that life is pretty much like a roller coaster. It goes up, it goes down, it goes around and everything else. We just have to learn to deal with it. 
But James is telling us that in order for us to have an effective prayer life, that we need to spend time with God Almighty, that we need to pray no matter what kind of day we're having, no matter if it's good or bad, whatever's happening, we need to pray, we need to worship God. So let's look at that word afflicted. In verse 13, we see the afflicted. Now, afflicted means sick, troubled, disappointed, or persecution. So let me put it in weightology for you. It rains on the just, just like it does the unjust. You're in trouble, you need to pray. You're having a great day, you need to pray. No matter what happens, we need to continuously, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we need to keep a prayerful spirit about ourselves. Now, let me give you a true story, and I, I, I found this story when I was researching for this, this Bible study here, and I, I thought it was pretty good. The, the writer said that it was true. I have no, you know, no indication, whatever, that it's not. But anyway, there was this woman. She was at work, and then all of a sudden, uh, she got a phone call from the school. The, the school told her, said, look, you need to come get your daughter. She's very sick. The woman said, okay, I'm on my way. So she knew what was wrong with her daughter. She knew that she was, had been sick, so she had to stop at the store and get some medicine. Unknown to her, when she was in the store, she had actually locked the doors. So when she come back out, she hit panic mode. I mean, you know, she's just going crazy. She couldn't figure out what she was going to do. And tears started coming down her eyes, and she started praying, God, what am I going to do? I need your help, God. And then all of a sudden, her mind quickened to a movie that she had seen to where that there was, she had seen this guy get into a car with a clothes hanger. So she said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk around and I'm going to see if I can find me a clothes hanger. I've got to get into this car. So she, all of a sudden, to her amazement, she starts walking around. To her amazement, she found the clothes hanger. So she comes back over there to the car and she looks at the hanger. She looks at the car window and then she realizes, hey, I don't know how to use this. So she starts praying again, and she says, God, I, 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 I've got this hanger here, but God, I don't know how to use it. God, can you send somebody to help me to open this door for me? I've got to get to my daughter. Can you please help me in Jesus' name? Amen. Well, as soon as she said amen, here comes this guy on a motorcycle, and he's seen that she was distressed. He's seen that she was a, a little upset, so he comes over and says, ma'am, can I help you? And he, she tells him what's going on, and he says, well, here, let me try to help. So he goes over there to the car, and less than just a few seconds, 15, 20 seconds, he had the door open. So she starts crying. She hugs him, and she thanks him. She said, sir, I can't believe you did that. Oh, you're so sweet. You're so wonderful. You're just a nice man. And she, the man looked at her and she said, ma'am, I'm sorry, but I'm not a nice man. I just got out of, of the state penitentiary for the car theft. And all of a sudden, her tears kept going. She put a smile on her face and she started praying. She said, God, I'm thankful for you answering my prayer so quickly, Lord. I appreciate you sending someone to help me, God. But not only did you send somebody to open this door, God, you sent a professional. That's the way we should pray. When something happens to where it, we, we need to be thankful for what God does, just because we don't see it doesn't mean God's not, it, it's not working the way God wants it to do. 
problem is is that we see people all the time, they get themselves in trouble and then they want to come over here to the altars and they start crying out, God, God, please help me, God, God, and God helps them. But then all of a sudden, when everything is great, there ain't nothing in the world going on, their life is wonderful, God doesn't hear from them. So let's look at verse 14 and through 16 here. And I want to tell you another story to emphasize this real quick. There was this woman, she was very sick. And she decided that she needed to go see her doctor. So she goes up to the receptionist and she says, look, I need to get to the doctor. And, and the receptionist told her, okay, but your doctor's not here. But what we can do is we can send you to, uh, not send you, but we can send you back to one of our younger doctors. And she said, that will be fine. So they get back in there. The doctor opens the door, comes in to see her. And about four minutes into the exam, the, the lady starts running out the door. I mean, she's just screaming and yelling and just having a fit as she's running down the hallway. And the nurse stops her and says, Miss Cheryl, what's wrong? What's the problem? Well, she tells her what's going on, and it made the nurse mad. I mean, the nurse got really upset, so the nurse goes back in there. She starts storming into the doctor's office, and she said, let me tell you something, doctor, or ask you something. Doctor, are you blind? Can you not tell that Miss Cheryl here, she's 63-year-old? Can you not see that? Why in the world, doctor, would you tell Miss Cheryl that she's pregnant? And the doctor started laughing, and he said, she don't have hiccups anymore, does she? <laughs> so the thing behind that story is very simple. Just because we don't see how our cure comes doesn't mean that it's not the way it's supposed to be. All right, so let's look at verse 14 here. The word says, call upon the elders. Now, let me say this about the elders real quick. A true elder is a prayer warrior. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Uh, an elder is a man that will stand up in the, and stand in that gap for you when you can't pray. He's the man that will stand up and, and lift you up when your finances or whatever problem you have. He's the one that covers you in prayer every day. The elder is the one of the mans that he's got you back. The elder knows how to call upon the name of the Lord. He knows what it's like to get in front and say, God, help them. And the elder also knows that there's going to be times that God will calm that situation or calm that storm down that is in your life. But then there's also going to be other times when that what's going to happen is, is God will calm you down because of the situation that you're in. So I said all that to say this, when an elder prays and a true elder prays, he, he, he calls upon the name of the Lord and God hears him and God answers that request. But now on the request now, on the prayer request, let me tell you this real quick. Sometimes we request something from God and we're requesting it the wrong way or we're requesting the wrong thing or something like that and God tells us no. And then there's other times when we request something from God and, and the timing all of it is wrong, so God says slow. Then there's other times when we request the wrong thing, if you will, and, and God says, look, grow. See, what we must understand 
And the reason why we're talking about prayer today is in emphasizing prayer is that our timing has to be right. We have to be right when we approach God. We've got to make sure that we're holy, we're clean, we're living a, a, a life presentable to God. We've got mercy. All we have to do is fall on the altar and ask God to forgive us. But if our timing's right, we're right, and God will tell us to go. He's going to bless us. But just because God says no, for when we ask something, most of the time when we're asking, when, when God says no, we're asking out of his will because God wants to bless us. God wants to provide for us. God wants to do what we need, but we've got to make sure that we're walking in his will in order to hear the yes because if we're walking in his will, we're not going to ask anything that he's not going to tell us no to. See, sometimes we have to be told, hey, you need to wait a little bit and you need to grow a little bit before you can actually handle this, what you're requesting. The Bible tells us that we are known by our fruits. Healing is one of those fruits. So we're talking about the elders now. So what are the qualifications of these men or these elders? Well, they get very specific. And a true elder is a, is a man that lives a godly lifestyle. He, he, he's holy, he's pure, he's clean before the Lord. And if there is any sin in his life, it's a minimum sin. And when as soon as the elder sins, if he does, then he knows that he's got to get on the altar and he's got to confess that sin and he's got to do it on a regular basis. I say it all the time. Every single time you, you need to pray, God, forgive me of my sins and my shortcomings. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness, Lord, even the unrighteousness that I may have forgotten to ask forgiveness for. One, one of the things that we must see is we have to have that necessity of prayer in our life. We need to praise God for answering our prayers. We need to praise God that we will be in his will. And, and, you know, when we pray, we need to say, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. I want to make sure, God, that you answer my prayers, that whatever I ask, Lord, that I want you to make sure it's your will, God. I, 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 I put myself in front of it. I've told y'all this story before. I've walked up to somebody and they were in the hospital and they were in a coma. And what happened is, is I walk over there to them and I said, Lord, I, I, my will is to have this, this man healed. It really is, God. I want this man healed, but it's not my will, God. But I know you want to see people saved. I want. I know you want to see people to, to come to you, God. So if it be your will, Lord, touch this man, heal this man, and let him, let his family see him raise up from this coma, God. So I go walking back out to the emergency room, or excuse me, the ICU room, and I head back over there to the waiting room, and the next thing we know, the the man's brother's coming up and says that he just woke up out of the coma asking for French fries. It's not who I did or anything like that, but it's the will of God for God to, for for people to come to Him. And when He answers those prayers like that, most of the time, most of the time, it's because somebody needs to see that healing. Somebody needed to see it. So a pre, an elder is, it could be a teacher, 
It could be a preacher. It could be a leader of the congregation. But an elder is, you know, when somebody accepts the responsibility of being an elder, it's one that shouldn't be taken very lightly. Flip over to James chapter 3 and verse 1, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. James chapter 3, verse 1. And the word says, My brethren, be not masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Okay, now, you see the word masters there? Masters, you can substitute teachers, if you will. So, my brethren, be not many teachers, knowing that ye shall receive greater condemnation, or if you want to change condemnation to strictness, greater strictness. So there's something that's about that. An elder is someone that accepts the responsibility that he is set upon a higher standard than everybody else in the congregation. If somebody walks a mile, he needs to walk a mile and a half, if you will. If he, you know, his standards should be higher. If he's a true elder, his standards should be higher. We should walk higher, talk higher, live higher, dress higher. Those standards should be higher. But an elder, another responsibility, and we know this, this is what the word's telling us here today, is that an elder is someone that will stand up in front of the congregation like in a prayer line, and as you come up, he's going to anoint you with oil, and he's going to pray the prayer of faith in the name of Jesus Christ, and you're going to be healed. Because we all know that it's the power of the name of Jesus that gets us, gets us the healing and gets us our desires, our, our heart's desires, if we are in God's will. But here, I want to show you something. James is reminding us here of something. And what he's telling us is that it's not the elders that does the healing. It's not the, the, the oil that the elders use that does the healing. It's not even you, the church, or the congregation that does the healing. It's all about the name of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? So let's talk about that healing prayer of faith there. Now, if you'll notice that word there in verse 15, it says, prayer offered in faith. Did you know that that, that phrase, prayer offered in faith, is only mentioned one time in the scriptures? It's, and I, I find that, you know, one of those things that is unique, I guess you would say. But here's something I want to tell you about the prayer lines or people coming up from prayer. I, I, I find this, if you will, that people will come up here and they will want you to pray for them or they ask the pastor to pray for them or the elders or whoever and, and they stand up here but then all of a sudden as they get closer and they get closer they all of a sudden you can look in their eyes and you can see that there's still doubt in their eyes and all of a sudden it's like they've got this what if syndrome if you will or this what if disease what if I walk up there and I'm not healed? What if I walk up there and the preacher don't pray in Jesus' name? What if I walk up there and, and I'm just wasting my time? What if, what if, what if? Well, now, I'm not saying I'm going to do this to any of you, of course, but if I see that and I discern that in my spirit and, and I know for a fact that that's what's going on, I'm going to turn the tables on you. I'm going to say, what if? What if he does heal you? What if he does break those chains? What if he does set you free? What if you do get that prayer answered? That's the way we have to look at it, church. What if? 
Everybody comes up here and they want prayer and especially for a healing, they want it right there supernaturally and we all do. There's no doubt about it. But let me ask you a question. The healing is going to come. God's word says we shall be healed. Now, it doesn't say that when you get home and you take an ibuprofen for that headache that it's going to be healed. It doesn't say that, but it does say we will be healed. We all want it done supernaturally. We all want it done there. But I'm here to tell you right now, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't really matter whether it's here, whether it's home, whether it's now, or whether it's a couple hours later. A healing is a healing, and that's what we need. God will heal his children because his word says he will, and we should give him praise, and we should give him worship, and we should thank him for healing us. Can somebody shout amen? Now, let's look down at verse 16 here. The word here, it says, if we had committed, if we have committed sins, we need to confess our sins one to another. Now, let me give you this story real quick. And it, it, it goes to about these three elders. They were uh, sitting around the conference room in the table. And one of them said, that, hey, look, gentlemen, uh, we all know what James 5 and 16 says, that we must confess our faults to one another. So I want to confess what I have done in my, my secret sin, if you will. So I want to confess my gambling. See, every time I walk by one of those amusement things, those amusement machines, those arcades, it actually starts calling my name. It's almost like it's cha-ching, cha-ching, let the money machine ring. So the, the other elder, one of the other elders, he said, look, look brothers, I, I need y'all to help me pray about something. I've got a, a spirit of laziness about me, and, and I steal my sermons from the internet. I don't write my own sermons. I steal them from the internet. That's how I get my sermons. Well, the third elder, he, he looks, and he said, well, gentlemen, I know you said you had problem with gambling, brother. And, and brother, I know you said you, you steal your sermons. You're lazy. But he said, I'm going to tell you what I do. See, I gossip. So I cannot wait to get out of this room so I can go tell the pastors what you sinners are doing. <laughs> so we, we, we talked about this a few months ago, about confessing our sins, about getting, making sure that, you know, when we confess our sins, that the person we confess them to, that we can trust them. You can't trust everybody. Somebody do, some of us or some people do have that gossip spirit on them. So you need to be careful and you need to be able to trust whoever you confess your sins to. But you also need to be able to make sure that you do confess them to somebody because we all need help praying about some of the things that are in our lives that, that we just can't seem to get rid of. And we will always want to make sure that we're holy, we're clean, we're, we're, we're right with God. Can somebody say amen? When we have these effective, the, these effective prayer lives and, and we're, we're praying to God and we're, we're asking God to, to make sure that we, we live a holy life, that we're, we're right, we're clean, we're pure, what's going to happen is, is if we get in that fervent prayer and we, we, it starts producing sorrow and it starts producing conviction on our heart. Now, when we do this, when we start feeling those convictions, then we understand that this is true faith. 
because we understand that we are on the right course when we start feeling those convictions because God is starting to reach in and, and pull those things out of us and pull those things that are not in us that, that are in us that don't need to be there. When we are convicted by the Holy Ghost, that's a way that Jesus is talking to us and he's saying, let me help you with this. Now, I want to say this real quick. If you've never in your life been convicted, if you're, you're, you've never had that conviction on you and you've never felt that, that God telling you, hey, you don't need to be doing that, you're in deep trouble. Because what that does is that suggests that you're not listening to God, that you don't hear God's voice, and you need to make sure that that's what you do. The Holy Ghost uses conviction to prompt us or prompt you to work in, you know, work for God in your life. That's what the Holy Ghost is there for. True conviction is wonderful because it saves us a lot of trouble and grief in our lives if we're sensitive to what God has to say to us. But a lot of the times, like we were talking about earlier, as long as everything's going right, I don't have to pray all the time. But if once things start going wrong, then I need to say, I, I, I get over there and I just start pounding the, pounding the horns or holding on to the horns of the altar until I get what I want. My goal today is to show you that effective prayer is to how to pray effectively and how to get in the presence of God, how to be sensitive to God, how to have that Holy Ghost conviction. And when you feel that Holy Ghost conviction, you obey it. And what's going to happen is, is when you obey that Holy Ghost conviction, it's going to produce the faith that is needed to do God's work in your life. Now, look at James chapter 2. And I want to read verse 17 here to you. James chapter 2 verse 17 reads, Even so faith. If it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. See, you guys, you, you, I, I might not be as perfect as you are. I mean, I'm really not, I, I'm not all that. But sometimes I get this attitude. And it's just when it comes into me and it's the attitude and then all of a sudden I get this pride that starts building up. Maybe it's my ego that starts taking control over me. Maybe I'm just out of whack and my emotions are going everywhere and I can't make up my mind what in the world's going on. I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to do that. And then all of a sudden it's like, the, my, the works of my flesh start popping up and, and, and I start thinking things that I don't need to think and, and I have not prayed up the way I'm supposed to. I haven't got down and I haven't spent time with God and haven't spent that alone time with God like I'm supposed to. I've got these impro improper thoughts in my mind and my mind is going crazy. I don't have the things that I need to do and, and, and all of a sudden all this stuff starts taking over my mind. And I can't get it right. 
See, when that stuff starts happening, when all those egos and those prides and your, your emotions are out of whack and all that other stuff, all that's going off, you need to start getting on the altars and you need to start spending some time in, with God in prayer. If that Holy Ghost is starting to convict you and to change you and say, God, move me. God, take these impure thoughts. Take these things out. Take these desires that I have that is not of you, God. Take them out of my life, God. And God, I thank you right now, God, for the Holy Ghost. Can somebody say amen? Now, I, I look around this room and I know within a shadow of a doubt that I'm not the sp smartest person in here. But I am wise enough to know that if the Holy Ghost, it convicts me of the things that are in my life that I need to change, I'm smart enough to know that I need to find an altar and I need to get down and I need to pray. That, I, that, that, that the only way that I'm going to get this stuff out of my life, the only way that it's ever going to get out of my life is if I get down on my knees and I start crying out to God and I start saying, God, purge me, clean me, keep me holy, God, for if I'm not holy, God, I'm not going to be able to see you, God. Help me, God. See, we all need to align our wills and our desires with God's will. We need to learn to pray, not my will, God, but thy will be done. No matter what you have me to do, God, no matter where you have me to go, God, no matter what you have me to say, God, I want to be right in your eyes, God. See, the surefire way to get your heart hardened to, is to fail to respond to that conviction that the Holy Ghost is laying on you. When you and I, when we don't pray, when we resist the Holy Ghost, when, when you say no to that conviction that, that, that God has laid on your heart, I, I, I'm here to tell you something, people. You will be a spiritual failure. You're not going to ever do anything in the kingdom of God. You're not going to produce good fruit if you do not follow those convictions. I told you this a couple of weeks ago. I, I'm getting deeper and I'm getting deeper into God. And, and the more I say, God, get this out of me, the more I'm realizing that the stuff that I've been doing for years and years, God's starting to change me and start to pull it out and starting to say you need to get this out see each and every one of us we need to be on our knees and we need to be on our knees and praying and asking god say god reprove me god god direct me god because god loves us he will take care of us but we've got to be man enough we got to be woman enough to get down on the altars and we've got to say god can you please Fix me, God. I want to be right. I want to be clean. I want to be pure. I want to be holy. I want to hear those words. Well done, my faithful servant. This is Brother Stephen Spiegel, and you're listening to the Outspoken Apostolic on the Powerhouse Radio Network. Well, church, the time has run out on us today. Thank you for spending just a few minutes of your time in studying and discussing God's holy word. If you have any need that you need us to pray for, please do not hesitate to send us an email at apostolictalkin at powerhouseradionetwork.com. Apostolic Talking without the G. My name is Brother Wade, and me and the staff here at Powerhouse Radio Network are also available for Christian counseling if you find yourself in need. 
Please visit our webpage at powerhouseradionetwork.com for the latest apostolic talking news, all of Brother Wade's preachings, teachings, and engagements, and of course, previous PowerCasts, our weekly rants, Sunday school lessons, Bible studies, and of course, our sermons. May God bless you and keep you safe. Powerhouse Radio Network.